This is the Daily Signal podcast for Tuesday, January 4th. I'm Doug Blair. And I'm Virginia Allen. Education will be one of the most important issues of 2022. There is nothing more important than protecting our kids and teaching them how to think, not what to think, in the classroom. Laura Zork is the founder of the organization Building Education for Students Together, also known as BEST. Laura joins me on the show today to discuss how her education group is training parents to get involved in their local school district and be ambassadors of positive change in the classroom. But before we get to Virginia's conversation with Laura Zork, let's hit our top news stories of the day. In a Dear Colleague letter released on Monday, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer announced he planned on forcing a vote to change rules regarding the filibuster by January 17th if Senate Republicans block a voting rights bill. The filibuster means that legislation requires at least 60 votes to pass through the Senate, which means Democrats can't pass bills without GOP support. In the letter, Schumer wrote, We must adapt. The Senate must evolve, like it has many times before. He continued, As former Senator Robert Byrd famously said, Senate rules must be changed to reflect changed circumstances. Put more plainly by Senator Byrd, Congress is not obliged to be bound by the dead hand of the past. The announcement comes as Senate Democrats attempt to link the first anniversary of the January 6th attack on the Capitol to his perceived need for federal control of the electoral process. Schumer is likely to face opposition to any changes to the filibuster from both Senate Republicans and from Democratic Senators Joe Manchin of West Virginia and Kristen Sinema of Arizona. The pair have both stated that they are in favor of maintaining the filibuster. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is calling on the Biden administration to distribute monoclonal antibodies for the treatment of COVID-19. What are monoclonal antibodies? Well, they have shown to be an effective treatment against COVID-19. According to the FDA, the antibodies may treat COVID by blocking the virus from attaching to human cells, which makes it more difficult for the virus to reproduce. Monoclonal antibodies also may be effective in neutralizing the virus completely. Initially, the federal government said it was going to stop distributing monoclonal antibodies to the states because they didn't appear to be effective against Omicron. But the Biden administration reversed course on Sunday, saying they would use the antibodies to fight the new variant. During a press conference on Monday, Governor DeSantis asked the Biden administration to release antibody treatments to Florida as Omicron cases rise, and the federal government has now cornered the market on the treatments. We're past the point now where we're able to get it directly from any of these companies. The federal government has cornered the entire market. Uh, they basically took control of the supply in September. Uh, we had done a deal with GlaxoSmithKline on the Citrovimab, which a lot of people think is the most effective against Omicron, and that is no longer a possibility because the feds have an exclusive arrangement. The governor added that the state will immediately open new treatments sites once they receive the antibodies from the Biden administration. Senator Rand Paul, Republican from Kentucky, announced on Monday that he would no longer be posting videos to YouTube, accusing the platform of repeatedly censoring his content. In a press release, the senator said, Today I begin my exodus from big tech, starting with the worst censor of all, YouTube. As a libertarian-leaning senator, I think private companies have the right to ban me if they want to. 
However, those of us who believe that truth comes from disputation and that the marketplace of ideas is a prerequisite for innovation should shun the closed-minded censors and take our ideas elsewhere, which is exactly what I'm doing. The announcement comes on the heels of two strikes Paul received on his YouTube channel. The streaming giant removed videos they claimed violated its COVID-19 misinformation policy and suspended Paul's account for a week for each strike. YouTube's policy says if an account receives three strikes within 90 days, the account is terminated. Paul said that users would be able to find his content on YouTube competitor Rumble. Now stay tuned for my conversation with Laura Zork as we discuss the ways parents can be a force of positive change in school districts across the country. We're all guilty of it, spending too much time on the internet watching silly videos. But it's the 21st century, and maybe it's time for a change. At the Heritage Foundation YouTube channel, you'll find videos that both entertain and educate, including virtual events featuring the biggest names in American politics, original explainers and documentaries, and heritage experts diving deep on topics like election integrity, China, and other threats to our democracy. All brought to you by the nation's most broadly supported Public Policy Research Institute. Start watching now at heritage.org slash YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe and share. I am so pleased to welcome to the show Laura Zork. She is the executive director of a parent grassroots organization called Building Education for Students Together, also known as BEST. Laura, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Virginia. Now, your organization is is so unique. It's meeting such a critical need at this moment mm-hmm. in history. Explain what it is that building education for students together best does. Our mission is to educate, mobilize, and activate our parents to be the voice for their children. Um, and also, in doing that, we want to inspire our parents to run for school board, and then we want to take their energy, and we want to change legislation because we feel that every parent knows their child best, and no pun intended there, <laughs> but, but they do. Parents know their children best, and we feel that um, we want to see policy that mirrors that. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think right now we're at this moment in time in America where all of a sudden parents have become aware of what is happening in their children's schools. They're aware of what they're learning. They're aware of a lot of this very, very uh, far left-leaning ideology like critical race theory and gender identity that has really infiltrated the school system. We just released a documentary at the Daily Signal talking about what happened in Loudoun County, Virginia, as we saw parents just become more and more outraged by what they found out that their kids were learning. So as, as you all talk with parents as you're interacting, what what are the tools that you're giving parents to say, hey, you have a voice. As a parent, you can actually stand up and, and you can push back on some of the things that maybe you're not liking that you're seeing in your child's mm-hmm. classroom. Well, definitely COVID has been the great awakening for parents because they were able to see what their children are being taught in the Zoom um, conversations and online But um, parents had also realized they don't have a say really of when their kids go to school. Are they going to go to school with the mandates of the mass vaccination? So what we try to do is we just try to meet each 
family in each in the communities. Every community is different. Some have mandates, some don't. Um, but we try to empower them to get to these school board meetings and speak and, and use their voice. You utilize the three minutes that they're given and um, express themselves. Because what I try to tell parents is, even if you are the only parent at the time that's going to those school board meetings and speaking out, more than likely there's other parents mm. that feel the same way, and they might think that they are the only ones feeling or thinking this way. And it's really empowering for parents to get to these school board meetings and speak out and express themselves because we know, we know these school board members are not listening. They're not responding to emails. Um, so we've really notched it up and we, we've designed a toolkit called um, Parent Empowerment Toolkit. And that's on our website. And it really walks parents through steps to take mm. to empower them to take back their local school boards because all these decisions, radical decisions that are being made, we can blame our governors, we can blame our legislators. But as a former school board member in Florida, I know personally that the decisions that are being made are more than likely being made by these school board members. So we, we encourage our parents to also run for school board. If I can do it, <laughs> I know these other parents can do it. So we just have to get outside that comfort zone that we're in, and, and we just have to dive in and do it because these are our kids. Mm -hmm. And just because, and I tell parents this, just because we send our kids to these government public schools, that does not mean the moment they walk through those front doors – that we hand over our rights as parents. We are still, we should still be the final decision maker in our kids' education. Why is this issue so important to you? You mentioned that you ran for school board. That's a hefty undertaking. Uh, and I, I know that you've been working on the education issue for so long. What, what was your driving force to say, you know what, I, I really need to be involved here? Well, it was back in 2013. I was a mom busy raising my four kids, and uh, Common Core came out, and I did not like what I was seeing. And so I went to my legislators. I went to um, I went to anyone that would hear me, and my response, the response I would get back is, "It's too late. We've already accepted the grant." And as a parent with four kids, that answer was not good enough. It wasn't voted on. It just came in. Parents really didn't know what it was. So myself and three other moms, we decided to take on the challenge, and we did. And And we were very successful in Florida, and it's because we were able to be empowered by each other. So us four moms, we grew that group um, from four to over 22,000. And I know we always talk about education reform. We want education reform. And really, as a parent and someone that has been a parent representative, I feel like I'm a parent mentor, um, what's lacking and had been lacking in education reform has been the voice and the involvement of parents. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to me to be able to change the education um, system that we're not – we, we're not happy with is mm -hmm. it has to be parents who ch change that we can have the best policy experts the best intentions from 
all these groups, but until the parents get involved, nothing was going to change. And and look what has happened this year. And that is, it's so inspiring. And I'm so um, thrilled to see all these parents just coming out and taking ownership. These are our kids and we're going to make a change. And and I'm so proud of them. Now, it has been incredible to see that, to see parents standing up, speaking out and really using their voice to say, wait a second, I want to have a say in my child's education. But I, I know that there are people listening who are thinking, well, yes, I, I know this is so important, but I have a full-time job and there's soccer practice mm-hmm. and, you know, we have our church groups and you know, there's so many different things in our lives. And it can feel really, really overwhelming to think of adding something else like, you know, being involved in, in your school board. Gosh, running for school board, that's so much to bite off. So what what is really your your encouragement both for mm-hmm. you know for parents who say okay well you know maybe I could pull it off to try and run for school board and to parents who say no I I definitely couldn't do that but okay you know maybe I can give an hour a week towards this mm-hmm. Well I think um we all know what our capabilities are and capacity level but like I said I'm a mom of four um So when you talk about busy, everybody has their own (laughs) schedule. But it really boils down to this, Virginia. These are our kids. And if we don't make the time, we're going to get what we get. And that's where we are right now. I know we're busy. I know that our kids are involved in all these activities. But what's more important than protecting their their minds and preserving this nation that we were given? And it's up to us parents to make sure that we hand over um, all these freedoms that we have um, that we see being stripped away. It's our job as parents to stand up for that. And I know we're busy, but we can't use that as our, our excuse anymore. We have to, uh, we just have to make it happen. Yeah. And and parents can do that. We're good at juggling things. It's just the matter of getting it in your schedule. But we do, we need more parents studying on these school boards because we see a lot of retired educators, administrators, People that don't always have the best interests of our kids that might have more of an interest of protecting the institution or a system versus really trying to protect parental rights and education. And so we definitely need to see more parents run for school board because we need more voices of parents sitting on these school boards. Yeah. So what are the practical steps for the moms or dads listening who think, okay, I, I would like to try this, but where on earth do you start to run for school board, are, are there forms to fill out? Do you have to get a certain number of signatures to get on a ballot? How do you even start well, that process? Well, that is a good question. And the way that if you are considering and you feel inspired to run for school board, um, the first thing that you need to do is you need to reach out to your supervisor of elections, um, board of elections. Every state is different in what they call call these individuals and really find out when is your election? What what district do you live in? And um, they are the experts at helping you file. So the paperwork is 
once you make the decision to file, that's the easy part. Mm -hmm. But we are offering a training. It's free to parents. And I encourage every parent that is considering thinking about it, might want to help someone else run, um, jump on our trainings. It's every Tuesday night, 7 p.m., and it's on Zoom. And if they sign up for these trainings, then they can also, if they're not available on that that 7 p.m. time, we record them and they can go into the library and they can they can watch these trainings at their leisure. I'm really excited about our, our school board trainings. We started them back in March. We weren't really for sure how how is this going to go, but we've had nearly 900 individuals that signed up on it to take these trainings, and we've had about 300 that have identified to either run or um, or have already filed. So we know it's making a difference, and we need all organizations working on this training because there's, um, I believe there's 90,000 school board members across the nation mm-hmm. and 14,000 school boards. So uh, there's a lot of work to be done in trying to turn these school boards over and it's going to take all of us working together. So we have a great partnership with the Leadership Institute Mm -hmm. and I'm excited about our training coming up in January because we have revamped it and we're we're taking the best um, that we've learned through up to now. We've had six six six-week trainings and it's really been successful and we're going to just 2022 uh, parents aren't going away. We're just we are just getting started, and we have been empowering each other. and And this is one way that we can empower each other, support someone that is running for school board. Mm. Yeah, I think that's so important to be building one another up and saying, okay, you know, this mom has has the time, so we're going to back her as the other moms in our community. That's so so critical. So if if folks want to sign up for the trainings, if they want to be pulling on on the resources you all offer. What are the practicals of that? How do they do that? Well, they can go to parentsknowbest.com. On the homepage, there's a button in the top right corner that they can click on to join our candidate trainings, but also the resource links. They can go into there, and we have some great resources in there on critical race theory, and we have other resources, but these parent empowerment toolkits they have been so useful and helpful, even to these little small groups of parents that are trying to do more. Mm-hmm. It's really been able to take their initial group and take it to the next level because not only are we trying to motivate them to get to school board meetings, but what happens when they do get to these school board meetings? And and these school board members are still making these poor decisions based, um, let's say, with critical race theory or trying to say they're not teaching critical race theory. But as parents, we know they're teaching the ideologies. So we're teaching them how to write press releases, hold press conferences, um, write um, ethics complaints, state ethics complaints against um, individuals that insist on teaching critical race theory when they're in a state like Florida, Texas, that has ban it. And um, so there are a lot of resources in on our website. That's so excellent. That's so a long helpful. answer, isn't no, it? No, <laughs> but that's perfect. Well, and you all have you all have trained over 4,000 people, right, to how to be these yeah. kind of grassroots activists, how to be individuals that know, okay, this is how we actually effectively can be pushing back. I, I think that's so critical. Yes, we have. And I think that number probably was 
um, from our our spring tour. We had a fall tour, oh, so good. the numbers have went up. We what I've really tried to do is um, meet all the leaders I can possibly meet on. Facebook groups, these little groups here and there, and really work with these group leaders. So when we're talking about training, I'm going to say probably 6,000, we're talking about group leaders. And then they, it's it's like training the trainers. So Mm. we're training the leaders and then they can go back and they can, they can also share that information with parents. We just had a fantastic fly in here in DC. We brought in over 92 um, leaders from around the country, and uh, we we had a fantastic training, and uh, they they were just so empowered. And I know what happened in Vir- Virginia with that race; mm-hmm. it has even empowered them more. So, um, it, and we need that. We need to be coming together because this is it's hard work, it's tiring work, and you're worn out. And we have to stay motivated, and we have to stay engaged with each other because. They're gonna wear us out if we don't, and we gotta stay. We we gotta stay fired up because these are our kids. Yeah, yeah. Well, you mentioned that you know we're we're seeing as uh, as some parents you know say you know, I'm not comfortable with the teaching of critical race theory in school. Sometimes what we're hearing back is this rhetoric of that's not what we're teaching, and it'll be under some other name or, or terminology. What are some of kind of those hot button words or phrases? It's always changing, but that parents need to be aware of right now as they attend school board meetings, as they're, you know, maybe looking over announcements that their school would be sending out about, you know, we're introducing this concept. What is some of that language we all need to have our eyes out for? Well, that is a really good question. And what we have found, just like with Common Core, um, as soon as we come out against Common Core, they changed it to like the Florida State standards, or the yeah. so they renamed it, and that's what's happening right now with critical race theory. Um, when most of these districts, there is not a curriculum that says critical race theory, but what they are doing, they're teaching the fundamentals and the foundation of critical race theory, which are the ideologies. So, part of our toolkit, we have about three pages of what those. Words are to look out for is from equity, diversity, inclusion. We have like some of the programs that we've seen come it come through as social and emotion, social and emotional learning, and also we see these districts are hiring these chief equity officers. What these chief equity officers are doing is they're being hired to bring these ideologies into our districts through teacher training and developing and embedding these concepts in, into every subject. So like you said, they are constantly changing the name, but there, it's, there are so many words, and I would really encourage individuals to go to um, that our website just to see the list. It's really uh, overwhelming. But real, when I tell parents, the first thing you want to look at if you want to know is it being taught in your your school district, you want to start FOIA requesting um, the most recent teacher trainings. You want to look at teacher trainings because. Your district might not be there yet, but they're in the process of training our teachers to bring it into the classroom. So if you don't think it's there, that I always recommend start looking at what are your teachers being 
trained on. And then, um, but you just really have to be careful because white privilege, white benefit, those are some of the, the trigger words that you'll start hearing. And do you all train parents how to file FOIAs? We do. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you, that's probably one of the most um, powerful tools that we have right now. Yeah. I know parents across the country, that's how they're identifying what's being taught within the the classroom is through these FOIA requests. We saw in Loudoun County, Virginia, um, those parents, they had FOIA'd to look up information because these school board members, they're not going to talk about this on the dais. And what we're seeing across the nation through the National School Board Association, they came out with these recommendations for these state associations. And uh, they have they have suggested to these school board members and these chair chair and the president, if if an item is not on your agenda, then you you need to not allow them to speak on that item. It has to be germane to what the business meeting is. So we know they're not going to be talking about critical race theory. They're not going to be talking about the mandates or anything like mm-hmm. that. The only way we can uncover this stuff is through these FOIA requests. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. Well, I, I want to talk a little bit about how we've kind of arrived at this moment. And I think one pivotal uh, pivotal moment that really kind of pushed us parents all towards, okay, we need to be we need to be more aware of what's happening uh, was when earlier this year the National School Boards Association issued a letter to the Biden administration asking for assistance, essentially investigating parents who were speaking out at school board meetings and pushing back against topics like critical race theory. What effect do you think that letter had on parents all across the nation? I think the parents that that were hoping that other parents would handle what's going on on the local level, I think those parents that that was the last straw. Mm -hmm. Um, I think what that letter did I think in parts it helped get um, a governor elected in Virginia because parents are seeing that they have – they're not being supported anywhere. And so they're craving leaders that are going to support them and and work with them. Um, So I think it really has um, fired up the base. I think parents – like I said, this has been long work. Our kids were out of school. They didn't know when they're going to go back to school. Then they went back to school and we had the critical race theory. I think parents have been battling this stuff for about a year and a half now. And when they saw that letter being called a domestic terrorist because they're showing up to these meetings and speaking out, I don't think it was wise of them. And I, I for us, what it really did is it inspired our parents to keep keep fighting, keep moving forward, and they're not backing down. Yeah. Um, Merrick Garland can do all he wants. Parents are not backing down because the battle here, it's our kids. Mm-hmm. And you we will do anything for our kids. Yeah. So threatening to call the FBI on us is not <laughs> is not going to make us go away. Yeah. Ultimately, what do you think it's going to take in order to move schools, specifically public schools, back to being institutions that teach our kids how to think as opposed to what to think? I really think the first step that we have to 
get toward is making sure that we have the right school board members that are making those decisions. Um, That is one step. But our unions control a lot of decisions that are being made in our school districts. So we have to figure out how to break monopoly that they have in this decision making. I have three school-aged children, and they are in public school. So I'm not anti-public school, but I am um, parent parental rights. But I really think what we also have to do is we have to keep pushing for legislation that allows the money to follow the student and not a system. We have to stop protecting a system, and we need to start protecting our children and their future. And so I so it's a couple of things. It's our school boards. It's making sure you have the right governor and then making sure that you have the school choice legislation that we need to um, allow parents to choose where they want to put their kids. So as a parent or a teacher, how can I engage with the work that you all are doing? And can I do it from anywhere in the country? If I'm a parent in California or, or Ohio or even Alaska, can I get plugged in and be a part of, of what BEST is doing? Well, we do have a lot of trainings that we post up on our website. Um, As issues come up, we'll have 15 and 20-minute videos and and talks on on those specific issues. But we are around the country. We are everywhere. since I think since March, I've been at about 130 different locations, and we're building our team because, like I said, parents aren't going away in 2022. And so if— if individuals would like us to come to your community and host a training with you um, and and show you the tools that you have to have in order to make a difference in your community, we'd love to come out to your community and we'd love to help them. Excellent. Laura Zork, the Executive Director of Building Education for Students Together. Best, tell us the website one more time. It's parentsknowbest.com. Parentsknowbest.com. Laura, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I enjoyed this. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Daily Signal podcast. You can find the Daily Signal podcast on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Please be sure to leave us a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and encourage others to subscribe. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with you all tomorrow. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is executive produced by Virginia Allen and Kate Trinko. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, please visit DailySignal.com.